The Trek Files, Season 8, Episode 2, Gene Roddenberry Metal Law Speech, Circa 1980. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians. Hey, all you tech hits, <laughs> you uh, Kenanistas, I say that lovingly. I mean, you know, all of you Trekophiles spelled with an F. Got a really interesting show. Not that all of our shows aren't interesting, but today's episode... We're going to venture down another path, and we're going to do it via the actual writings and speakings of Gene Roddenberry, so you do not want to miss that. In fact, you can jump in right now, you veterans of the show know. Go over to our Facebook page right now, see the documents of the week. It's from a speech of Gene's that he gave often in the 70s. Here's a snippet of that, but come right back because I've got a really interesting guest for us this week. It seems to me that the most exciting dimension of metal law will not be found in space admiralty regulations or even in solar system exploratory law. It seems to me that the true excitement, and I predict the most revolutionary change in law, will appear in the arena of territorial earth law. This revolution in law will come out in a new human demand for freedom, a concept of freedom so absolute that it will at first confound our jurists. More simply stated, it will be the growing belief and then a growing insistence that the nations of this planet, the various territorial political structures, are nothing more than different forms of tyranny being imposed upon individuals, and the only legitimate and legal citizenship that can exist is citizenship of Earth. Well, well, Trekophiles with an F. Uh... Are we tingling all your Samuel T. Cogley senses out there? I hope so. <laughs> here's an here's an aspect. Again, this is a Gene speech. This is not. This is a you know a section of a speech he would give in the 70s uh, to his college audiences, science audiences. Um, it's really an aspect that is really subtextual in Star Trek, but it occasionally comes to the fore when we had a you know a court show. Um, in, in ways, but it's part of Gene's thinking. And so, I, yes, space law. Is space law a thing? I'm here to tell you it, it very much is. We have treaties and we have people doing future-based work looking at that right now. So today, our guest to dive into what Gene called metal law um, is none other than our friend Mickley Carroll, who is the deputy director at the Space Court Foundation. And he's also program manager of the Caribbean Space Society. Uh, so, Mackley, it's, it's great to have you with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Larry. And you're right. Space law is an old thing. It's been around since the 1960s, the Outer Space Treaty being from 1967. Great right. stuff. Right. So, I mean, we say it's old. It's relatively new in human history. Mm-hmm. Yes. We were barely able to figure out our own law evolving. So, first of all, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, it's, it's kind of a revelation to a lot of lay people, even Star Trek fans, to know there is all this work going on. You mentioned the Outer Space Treaty. Some people may know about the Moon Treaty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it feels like an alien planet, but we have the Antarctic Treaty, which is kind of a model. Yes. You know, hopefully it's like going to the places that aren't all carved up by all the world's powers already. And people are taking a cooperative tone to that. And hopefully um, 
hopefully we can, you know, science fiction, future history aside, hopefully we can do that on the moon and out into the solar system and beyond. And, you know, the expanse is a cautionary tale as a series. Yeah. But that's all fiction. This is real world stuff happening. So why don't you, can you, can you tell us what you're, you're with the uh, Space Court Foundation? Like, what is that charged with? So, yeah. what, what is their interest? So yeah, we're a 501c3 and we specialize in just promoting the awareness and education of space law and policy. Because like you said, not a lot of people know that space law is even a thing. Um, and not only is it a thing, it's very, very, very much relevant today than it ever was before, which is what makes the Outer Space Treaty really cool because there, it was very, it was forward thinking. And this is that, that mm -hmm. now that they were thinking about when you have um, different countries and you have private companies going to the moon, trying to get a piece of that. Right, because we've got not just terror. Now we've progressed to the point where the technology is there. It's not just governments affording it. Mm -hmm. It's as as we well know, it's it's private corporations or you know private corporation playboys, whatever you want to mm -hmm. say. But what you know in the real world, we think of Star Trek and space law. I mentioned Samuel T. Cogley from Court Martial, and mm -hmm. that's like Judge Advocate General in Starfleet. But you've got everything from the Doctor. You know, talking about uh, uh, you know personal social rights and and of course data in Measure the Man. People talking about their rights as AI. Yes, I say people. I mean that's kind of the the sexy part of we think space law, but we're always talking about treaties and ambassadors and all of that in the you know the bureaucracy of the SEREC and all the what mm -hmm. you know the treaty of this and the treaty of that. Um, is that is are we at that level or when we say the Space Court Foundation is that what it is about or as Gene is talking about, Gene's talking about space law, but his meta law is very much about a foundation here on Earth for evolving to that. I mean, where, where does that, where do you fit in? Where does the Space Corps Foundation yeah, fit in? Yeah, so as the Space Corps Foundation. That's you, quite a spectrum. Yeah, even, yeah, <laughs> even though it's in the name, we have court in it, we're not deciding any cases, we're not doing anything of that nature. We are talking about the foundational stuff and the foundational aspects of law and, and including and other stuff like commercial aspects, how countries might go around licensing. We're actually developing a big book of space law. So we talk about all the legal dimensions, which a lot of it is rooted in international law. Um, and then just to go back to the Outer Space Treaty, if you're just talking about two of my favorite parts of it, like a real important crux is that no one can own anything in space and um, you can't put any weapons of mass destruction in space. Mm -hmm. Two very, very important things, which it's like I said before, it's impressive that the world was able to come to that consensus 55 years ago. Yeah. Whether or not Gary Seven interfered to make it happen or not. Um, <laughs> now you're you're working with the Space Corps. Can I ask you? Are you are you much of a Star Trek fan yourself? I have a good I have a good basis, but I definitely I don't think I get to to earn the title of Trekkie. But I have uh -huh. a good yes, because you know you're just talking about time travel and how he could have had an influence on it. Um, and yeah, I, I have a good basis understanding of it. Okay. Okay. Well, I. I, since we're talking about Gene's speech here, and, and it's hard not to be part of America or world culture and not know Star Trek, but this, this getting back to our document this week, what Gene was calling meta law. What did you think when I first shared this with you? Where does that, you know, what's your reaction to what he, because he's talking about, there's some deceptively simple language in here that hits about, I don't know, 47 levels <laughs> of social and political and legal, you know, aspects. Yes, this was a very, very heavy piece. And I like how you said it before. It's part of the subtext of Star Trek, because I have a good understanding of it. But I was like, whoa, I must have missed this whole season where things got to this level. <laughs> um, 
But to be honest, my first impression was like, oh, this this is where I wonder if this is where the concept of one world government came from. Like him saying this speech is two colleges because he talks about, you know, just being citizens of the earth, just one planet, which is mm-hmm. um, really, really heavy. Yeah, I don't know the gene. I mean, I'm thinking the one world idea predated gene, certainly mm-hmm. at least sometime in the hundred years before. But he's really he's looking at it in a practical way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what jumped off the page at you as a, as an attorney and as, as a futurist? Yeah, it's funny because it, it's really towards the end. He says, um, at one point, all written half jokingly. You know, a lot of truth is said in jest. And because I was like, this is some pretty heavy stuff. I was like, it, it, yeah, it's, it's an impressive thing. And I um, suggest everybody who's listening now to actually check this speech out in its entirety. Um, yeah, that was a, that was what stood out for me. It actually reminded me of um, Plato's Republic and how he would talk about Socrates talking to the youth. And, you know, he had to say that this was um, oh, also and Machiavelli he had to say that this was all just in theory. Right. Mm-hmm. So this was really interesting because you don't want to get in. the. This could rile people up, kind of. It could really get people the discussion going. Yeah, he's, he says, uh, I'm not taking away from the subject of space and space law. Don't, don't separate this because you can't separate this. Because he's, he's talking about um, uh, we have to have, it's, we, we all say, it, the Star Trek future has all, you know, the, the Earth is a utopia and all mm-hmm. that. And, it, and the adventure is getting out to, and occasionally there are hiccups. But the adventure is finding, bringing that to the world without being you know, without being patriarchal, without being imperialist mm-hmm. and helping, you know, and not interfering you know, with the prime directive, which is its own topic in itself. But, yeah. Um, you know, without bringing the worst of what our background was unintentionally, but mm-hmm. br- bringing the best of that to, you know, and, and doing away with subservience and, and, and resource exploitation and all those kind of practical things. But he's saying, like, we've got to get our act together, which we as Star Trek fans all know. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the inspirational part of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. We will get past that. And then we jump off and have adventures. And every once in a while, there's an episode or some writer tackles the idea. Yes, but how did we do that? Yeah. <laughs> how did yeah. we get from us to their perfect world? Mm-hmm. And Gene is basically saying, uh, well, here's what we've got to do. It's one thing to say we escape our boundaries. But how do we do that in real life? Yes. And yeah. And he's talking about, well, you, you, he's talking about being, um, you know, like underground, being subversive mm-hmm. about. And now I remember the connection to Plato's Republic too, because that's the premise. Socrates is talking about how to make a utopia when she said that. And like, this is, and he puts the steps on how to do it. And also something that also was really interesting was how he talked about how Gene talked about, you have to watch out for the infiltrators. Like there's people trying to come in on the, like, <laughs> I was like, well, this is pretty heavy for, for, and I guess now I realize the subtext. I could see in Star Trek too, because you did have mm-hmm. episodes like that. You have to watch out. Well, he's saying, well, what does it do? To, what does it mean to throw off those boundaries? Mm-hmm. And and in throughout world history, we think about you know empires and tyrannical governments, and of course, we want to liberate those people. But what if we have eight or nine or ten wonderful little democracies sitting side by side? Now, you know, we've seen that with the European Union, maybe mm-hmm. baby steps that way. Yeah, and Star Trek's canon future history plays around with telling us that a little bit and that there's basically a one world united earth they say something about australia being the last to join but by the time of you know archer's time before the federation the mm-hmm. earth is survive world war three which yeah. is the part of canon i hope doesn't come true but again how do we get to that and what does that look like on the ground mm-hmm. you know? that's very important because you need the guidelines yeah 
And then just bringing this back to the space law and our space treaty, it has really great principles just in that to it beyond the two things that I had said, but it also doesn't go too heavy into how to do it, how to practice these right. principles. Like article nine talks about due regard. So you have, you know, one superpower has due regard for other nations who might not be non-faring, non-spacefaring states, but how does that actually look like? You know, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to actually do it. But it's yeah, like, well, um, reminds me of this film, Waking Life. They would say, uh, people are either all action and no theory or all theory and no action. You gotta be somewhere in the middle with it. Mm-hmm. In every revolution, there's one man with a vision, as as Mirror as Spock as uh, Kirk told Mirror Spock in Mirror Mirror. It's amazing to me. I I was a kid. I was a nerd. I collected stamps. Mm-hmm. I knew about the Outer Space Treaty. Nice. <laughs> and then we'd go back and read about it. But it really, looking back, it's shocking that all those stipulations and we were able to come to a treaty in the middle of the Cold War and the space race in the early years in yeah. the '60s. Yes. And are we in are we in danger of anybody having some of the later space powers or uh, anybody else? Are we in danger of people reneging on that or saying, well, you know what? It's 50, 60 years out. We need to update this. It's 70 years now. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no. Are, that wouldn't happen. Or is it, is yeah. it holding firm? Yeah, it's holding firm because even though, yeah, it's holding firm, even though it seemed like it was like lightning in the bottle, but people wouldn't step away from that because you'd have to start anew. You'd have to like that can't. Yeah, I don't think that would happen twice. But it's yeah, it's pretty safe to say that people won't renege on the outer space treaty. Well, it's amazing to me that, say, the Soviets and Americans and everyone in between were able to agree on that without getting into the nitty gritty of what Gene gets here, mm-hmm. he gets into, which is like, well, we can talk about this in space, but there's got to be some fundamental changes down here on the ground. Not even politically, but where he gets, he gets to the point where he's saying, um, we're beyond, at the end, at the end of our section that we highlight here, mm-hmm. Uh, we're beyond the point where these foolish men and women can no, talking about the elites and leadership yeah. of nations can no can no longer impose boundaries of politics or worship or color or anything between us. And earlier he talks about um, controlling our bodies and even our souls, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> getting into some heavy stuff. You know, heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, the law is very is a very practical matter. It's like what's what's written down on paper what do we agree to and how do we and, and then it, it slowly evolves has there been an evolution in this in the outer space treaty at the time and to today and and how does how does gene's quiet radicalism here <laughs> how does that to strike you as, as as a practical when it comes to the law yeah well with the the first part changes to the outer space treaty there has there's been additional treaties and like i know you mentioned some in the beginning like the moon treaty and we have the rescue agreement and now we're coming with um the u.s started the Artemis Accords, um, mm-hmm. it was maybe two years ago. And then that's for the, that's connected to the Artemis program to return to the moon. And you have uh, some stipulations like establishing a safety zone, um, promoting conflict resolution and things of that nature for states to agree with. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And it doesn't, it doesn't um, contradict with anything in the Outer Space Treaty and like such as not being able to own things, but there are like it's it's law so the language you could kind of play with so you know you establish a safety zone an area where you get um carte almost carte blanche access to and it doesn't say like how long do you have it for it's supposed to be temporary but there's no guideline to it so temporary can mean uh almost forever which would be against the uh, article two of the outer space treaty and be able to own things um mm. and in terms of what he's saying i feel like that that really gets into more a philosophical point because especially in the space people talk about the overview effect 
like that experience of when you're seeing the earth from from in outer right. space it changes you fundamentally and edgar mitchell one, one of the apollo astronauts says he had a quote very similar to this saying how like the borders mean nothing at that point when you're in space it's all just petty stuff and yeah it's very on point with what with what gene is saying and like gene's we might, in the uh, space yeah. right yeah or or william shatner when he yeah. just took his trip and had mm-hmm. that same kind of oh my Awareness. god mm-hmm. yeah i guess the hard part it's this is gene talking in the 70s yeah and and i think people i don't know if space still felt like it there was so much distance to where we were actually to the star trek era mm. or or even or even before that it felt like it was such a comfort zone away from getting to nitty-gritty we our technology our economics have rapidly approached the pack where we can be into the nitty-gritty and some of these aspects um i know space court foundation is is concerned with big world is is there any aspect of of the of the nonprofit's work um that's concerned with you know on the grassroots end of things and preparing a philosophy or a worldview to approach this because gene's talking about people will resist a lot of people with entrenched power will resist that Mm -hmm. yeah no that's a great question that's why we have a good inter a great internship program where we're taking people from around the world and we're um you know putting them onto the awareness of space law and policy and how it does affect we also do things like we have a woman of color interview series where we're highlighting people who don't usually get highlighted in the space industry. So it's it's the building up of more awareness that uh, I feel I can get help get us there at least somewhere close to the Gene's vision. Wow. Well, you know, I I've got to say this now. I mentioned uh, the Prime Directive and more of the actual real world uh, uh, bits of Star Trek law that we think about. And we barely scratched the surface. Could I beg you to come back and maybe do another episode sometime? And we'll we'll broach this subject in a little more Star Trekky terms, but still, you know, what's relevant to us today? Would you do that? I would love to. Time time goes fast <laughs> when you're having fun and just zoom by. I, t- yeah. <laughs> I told you. I told you. We we do bite sized but uh, very chewy morsels here on the Trek Files. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks. I look forward to having you back. All there. right. Thanks for having me, Larry. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at larrynimacek.com. That's where you can link in also for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.